Welcome to Tales of a Per Entrepreneur with your host, Dr. Biz, aka Jamie Reeves. Welcome to Tales of a Per Entrepreneur, a podcast that tells the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And if you're a business owner and a parent, I salute you as they're two of the hardest things you can do, and you are doing both together. I'm your host, Jamie Reeves, aka Dr. Biz, and on today's episode, We have a guest that used to coach me because I wanted to know how to live like him. Something I probably shouldn't be saying as I want you to use this pod as I want to use this podcast as a lead magnet for my coaching. Anyway, John Lamerton, an author of four best-selling business books, including Big Ideas for Small Businesses and Evergreen Assets. He's run over more than 60 small businesses over two decades. A former 100 hour a week hustler. Having kids was the light bulb moment in John's life, and he now works 20 to 25 hours a week, living what he calls an ambitious lifestyle business. So, in your finest West Country accent, Talk Like a Pirate subtitles are available. Please welcome John Lamerton. Sorry, (laughs) John Lamerton mind. John, how are we? Jeez, that is the best introduction I've ever had, Jamie. Thank you for that so much. Um, yeah, what is it? The the guy from Blackadder. Um, oh, God, what was he called? Uh, he's got woman's legs. You have legs of a woman. <laughs> Definitely pirate meets farmer is um, the way you get the West Country accent. Gloucester, so um, via Wigan, which is going to make for an interesting combination. Um, so how are we, John? How are you getting on? Very, very well. I've been practicing parentrepreneur. Is that right? Parentrepreneur, yeah. Parentrepreneur, right. Okay. It, it takes. A, I must admit, I've rehearsed it like I would be rehearsing a song. So, so <laughs> it isn't the easiest of words to do, but it does describe. Who chose it? That's the question. Me. There you um, go. <laughs> so yeah, the best ideas and all that. So <laughs> let's jump straight into it. On a scale of one to ten, ten being amazing. How do you feel today? Ooh. Do you know, I, I'm going to say I'm an eight. An eight. I'm an eight today. So Why are you an eight today? I, well, I love the one to ten scale. Now, I've got a rule that if any time, any, for anything you're ranking one to ten, sevens are banned. Okay? Because what happens when you say, oh, rank it of one to ten, everyone goes, oh, I'm all right. Seven. Pretty average. Okay, if you think, dear listener, seven, if you automatically answer that question with a seven, let me just ask you a second question. You can't have a seven. Is it a six or is it an eight? Because those are two very different things. So I'm not perfect right now. I'm a little bit cold. You notice I've got the big jumper on and the the tough northerner is there with the guns out. (laughs) But I'm not that bad either. So... Is it a six or is it an eight? Today, it's an eight. I'm doing all right. So if you think back to your 100-hour hustler days, and I'd ask you the same question. I have got time to answer that question, Jamie. I've got far far too many important things to be doing. (laughs) Oh, dear. Ten, move on. Next question. Next. Hustle. Great. No, I I, I would have answered 11 because I'm smashing it. (laughs) So, but obviously you've made massive changes in... Though from those years of your life to, to now. So what caused you to go from an 11 to an 8 then? Uh, honesty. So 11 would have been the Instagram answer. 
it would yeah. have been the highly polished my life is perfect answer and the eight is yeah do you know what i've got a little bit of pain in my hamstring i'm getting on a bit my fingers are a little bit tingly um i've not quite had enough coffee this morning things are going all right but it's accepting and genuinely thinking what they're really like. Yeah. So, so how did you get to kind of come to that that um, thought where you want to spend more time with your family and less time with your business and and kind of build this ambitious lifestyle business? What what was the big turnaround point for you? So yeah, the moment for me was uh, I said having kids, but it was just after having kids. So I was sat in an MOT garage with a three-month-old baby at home uh, reading Alan Sugar's autobiography, What You See Is What You Get, uh, because I was emulating Lord Sugar. That was my pathway. I was going to be the next Amstrad. I was going to build the next Virgin. I was going big. I was going all in. Um, I would have been in my kind of mid-20s, and I was targeting – I'm 46 now. By by age 46, I should have had, I don't know, 100 million in the bank, something like that. You know, a yacht in the harbour with a helicopter on the back of it. All that really arsehole stuff that I don't want anymore. That was what I wanted until I'm sat in this MLT garage with a three-month-old baby at home, reading how to become a billionaire, essentially. And I read this one line. And Lord Sugar said, I never really saw my kids much when they were young. And just in that moment, I went, oh, shit. Ah, yeah, that that's not what I want. It's what I thought I wanted. But yeah. now it's like, no, what I want is I want to be there for that little boy. Because I absolutely adore him and I love spending time. It's like, actually, do I want to be that that entrepreneur who's doing the 100-hour weeks still and constantly, you know, flying off to New York or up to London or whatever? It's like, I'm just not there. No, I want to be... I want to be that dad who's at every assembly and every sports day. Um, Jamie, were you, I think it might have been you, were you the person who in the 1% Club was questioned by their child's teacher about whether they had a job? No. Now, no. someone then, someone once came to me and said, I've achieved my life goals because my child's teacher asked me if I actually have a job because I'm always there doing school drop-offs, school pickups. Uh, I'm there for assemblies. I'm there for sports days. I wanted to be that parent who just, when my child needed me, even to the point of just, dad, can we play with Lego? No, he's he's 14. No, he does not want to play with Lego. He don't want to don't want to see his dad anymore. Dad, can you go away, please? Dad, can you leave the bedroom? Not even Lego Fortnite. <laughs> no, no, not with me. Anyway, <laughs> but that that was that was the moment. Literally, it was. Um, I came home that day after reading that line and I remembered reading a similar line in Richard Branson's book. He said, you know, I, I didn't really see much of Holly and Sam when they were little. Um, and I just thought this isn't what I want. So we changed the business model overnight. So I went from hundred hour weeks and that would have been kind of December and the following July, Jack went into nursery. So I was doing daddy daycare two days a week. I was doing nursery drop-offs. Suddenly, I only had 20, 20 25 hours a week. So I kind of went, i got to fit this in somehow. <laughs> so it was realising that the juice wasn't worth the squeeze then for, for, for you. Yeah. Um, so going from 100-hour weeks to 25-hour weeks in, in 
the space of what must have been six, seven months. Mm. Um, how do you organize that? Because that's, that's some big turnaround. It, it is. Um, and I think, well, so for those watching on video, there is a little book on my shelf cover out mm. and it's called the 80-20 principle by Richard Coast. And we've all heard of the 80-20 principle. Uh, I bought that book when I had this bookshelf built. Uh, it was a lockdown thing. So I bought that book, having never read it, just to face cover out to remind me that that is how I made the transition. Uh, I ended up reading the book and making a ton of highlights. It's a fantastic read. You should read it. I thought I knew everything there is to know about the 80-20 principle. That's about a 400-page book, and it's covered in highlights. But that process of, okay, I've gone from 100 hours a week to 20, so I'm re I'm reducing the amount of hours I've got. I'm reducing my capacity by 80%. So I'm just going to do the 20% of things that bring in 80% of the money. That was my thinking. So it won't surprise you. And I am I guarantee there'll be people listening to this now who are doing maybe not 100 hours a week, but maybe they're doing 60, 70 hours a week. And I guarantee those are not 60 or 70 of your most productive hours. I guarantee if I said to you, tomorrow you're going on holiday, how productive are you today? Do you sit there scrolling on Instagram? Do you just move your paperwork around the desk? Do you hit refresh on your inbox 20 times? Do you let your attention wander all over the place? Or do you just smash it out of the park today, close the laptop and say, I'm off on holiday now? 100%. You're, you're there doing what needs to be done. And then when that time comes, bang. Because, um, and, and that's pretty much... For, for me, I schedule in everything first. Yeah. So scheduling in my family stuff, scheduling in my gym stuff, the, the stuff that I want to do for me, then work comes a very poor third. Um, <laughs> but that's the way it should be, and that's what makes me more productive and helps me get more shit done. Yep. So that that's probably my version of 80-20. Although I know about the 80-20 rule, I'm not sure whether I've read that book or not. Um, so it probably means I should read it again. Yeah. Um, but that's probably my version of the, the 80, 20 rule. So from, from doing that, how did you get into coaching? What, what, what possessed you? <laughs> <laughs> cool. So that, yeah, it's a funny story there. So I, I mainly run a sports betting business. That was my, I think that's how we first met each other. I was doing the, yeah. the horse racing business. Um, and I think 2015, 2016, we had an inquiry about someone actually buying the business. So Jason and I, my business partner, we said, well, we're not, we're not actively looking to sell, but well, let's go and see what they've got to say. So we traveled up to Newbury. We, um, we spent three hours in the car driving up saying, we've got no intention of actually selling the business. Um, you know, we're just going to find out, kick the tires a little bit see what's going on um we spent two hours in a room with someone who basically said yeah we can give you two million quid like within about three months so we then spent the drive home going right what car are you getting oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna get a yacht now <laughs> notice the yacht keeps coming up i still haven't got a yacht i have no desire to have a yacht a dinghy that would do i, I prefer maybe a stand-up paddleboard or something like that but there is a saying 
um, that a friend with a boat is better than having a boat. <laughs> That's true. In so many ways. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we, we drove back from Newbury thinking, great, let's spend this two million quid. A week later, I get a literal John, dear John email. Hi, John. Really sorry. We don't actually feel confident that the, that we know enough about the industry that we can get a pool of buyers together that we can do this. If you want to explore a sale yourself, you're more than welcome to. Jason and I went, ah, oh, we don't, we know nothing about preparing a business for sale, so we're not even going to bother. But one of the things they said, and one of the reasons they didn't, it wasn't a nice, easy sell was, you guys, this business still relies on you guys a little bit, okay? Whilst you've kind of removed yourself from a lot of the day-to-day, John, if you walk away from this business today, who's doing the marketing? Who's creating those Facebook ads? Who's putting that magazine together? Jason, if you walk away, who's answering the emails? Where's the accounting system for this? So we kind of realized, okay, we need to put in place systems and processes. I know it's boring. Everyone hears it, you know. My uh, favorite saying it's not boring to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, you, you, you and I could just talk CMSs all day long, couldn't we? <laughs> but we realized, okay, we need to extract ourselves from this business a bit more. So we just set to work and said, all right, let's put some systems in place. A year later, um, I'm going on holiday. I think I did a road trip across France. I was out of the UK for like four weeks. Jason was going away for the next three weeks. We had one day in about two months where we were both in the country. So on this one day, we did a little handover. And I said to Jason, right, what what fires do I need to put out? And he went, nothing, really. I, I haven't been going around lighting them. So that's a good reason. Um, I said, okay, well, what what's going on at the moment? Oh, this process is happening this this campaign's running itself okay how are the team getting on yeah they're fine they all know what they're doing oh okay i'll crack on then well enjoy your holiday and then i went mate we've done it we've created this business that doesn't rely on us we can actually step away for two months and this business all right it doesn't thrive without us but it also doesn't fall to pieces without us so I'd been late 30s at the time. And I remember thinking, brilliant, I've made it. Let's head to the golf course. Let's sit pina coladas on the beach forever. We've created this business that we don't need to run. Fantastic. What the hell am I going to do in my days now? (laughs) So so what, from creating that business that runs without you, um, how did that then impact family life? That meant I could take a four-week road trip around France with the family. So we could literally load the kids in the car, jump on a ferry and just travel through France. We could give them the experiences they needed. Um, Both of my kids have got special educational needs. So every now and then their needs as, you know, demands on me flare up and suddenly they can't cope with school. They really need a lot of help. They need a lot of TLC. We need to have a lot of conversations and, you know, arm around the shoulder time. Uh, the amount of time that I actually just abandoned my business to go and sit on my bed, sit on their bed and just talk to them and listen to them because who the hell listens to kids enough? You know, most kids dramas and fears and anxieties are because no one listens to them. No one actually understands them and taking that time to just, yeah, sit on their bed and figure out what's going on. What's, what's the problem? What's happening here? 
um, is so impactful. But it's having the business to be able to do that, to still be able to pay the bills, to still bring in the revenue you need, to still scratch the itch of giving me purpose and a reason to have that fire in the belly, get out of bed in the morning and get shit done. But also, yeah, it's not the most important thing in my life. The most important thing in my life are those two kids and my wife. I should say that. She may listen to this. It's a good idea. Um, So I I was once told that you could be a a great business owner or a great dad, but you couldn't be both. Not at the same time, I would say. Yeah. I was I was going to say so how do you, obviously you say the business runs well without you but we all want a thriving business right we don't want yeah, it yeah. to just just tick along and and go there so so how do you do you manage the demands of both and still only work twenty five hours a week because that's that's some going yeah I I think it is being very deliberate um, you mentioned planning just now blocking stuff out scheduling um literally i don't not a week goes by that i don't have my weekly plan right in front of me uh, yeah. i've got a pile of blank ones here ready to go so i know and i use in big ideas for small businesses i talked about the seesaw the work-life balance seesaw um and people think that to get work-life balance how do you balance on a seesaw you kind of stand in the middle of it well that's a lot of fun isn't it <laughs> You know, literally stand on a seesaw and it doesn't move. Well, how much fun is that? No, the fun of a seesaw is going up and down and up and down. Um, Mo Gordat talks about kind of the balance being a pendulum swinging from one end to the other. And I love that analogy because I can now see that you've got a kind of spectrum and you've got lifestyle at one end and you've got ambition at the other. And your ambition scale could go up to Elon Musk, Steve Jobs level, putting a dent in the universe. And your lifestyle um, scale could go to, I don't know, Garfield the cat. In fact, any cat, just wake up, feed me, rub my belly and let me sleep for the rest of the day, please. Yeah. For most people, it's it's a little bit of a shorter spectrum than that. But that pendulum needs to swing. So I kind of just notice where am I spending a bit too much time? So I've been a bit too ambitious. Okay, when I'm there with my blank planner, let's swing it down the other end. So last weekend, we had a 1% Club uh, event. So I drove up to Bristol on Thursday evening, um, spent all day Friday in a hotel room, all day Saturday in a hotel room, drove back to Plymouth on Sunday. Um, I arrive home to spend my weekend with the family at about two o'clock on Sunday, shattered. So when I'm planning this week, there's zero ambition on my plan. I am the pendulum is down at the other end. If I spend three weeks on holiday with the family, guess what I'm itching to do when I come back? I'm swinging that pendulum down the other end and I'm saying, right, I'm sorry, but you ain't going to see me for the next week because I'm now smashing that next book out. I'm getting the podcast done. I'm catching up on my, literally just catching up on my emails. I'm getting the work done. I've got to be all in on the ambition because that's what pays to be all in on the lifestyle. So you talked a lot about business. You've talked a lot about family. What about self-care? What about you? What What oh. do you do to kind of help be the, the best business owner you can be and the best dad you can be? 
become yeah. the best husband you could be. You need to mention the wife again, keep keep her happy, happy <laughs> all together. Cool. Well, of course, being the perfect husband just comes naturally to me. <laughs> As Sarah bullshit alert, bullshit alert. <laughs> but no self-care is really really important to me um anyone who has read a physical copy of my first two books uh are the big ideas for small businesses or routine machine will have seen a horrible horrible picture which is saved my desktop as fat john dot jpeg um and it is me looking like i've been blown up like the Michelin man. I've got a cigarette hanging out my mouth. I am a good five stone heavier than I am today. And yeah, sorting out my health was the next step on the journey. So once I reduced the hundred hour weeks in the business, suddenly I not only had time for family and for being there for those kids, but also still being there for those kids now and in 10 years time and in 20 years time and then grandkids, that became really important. So it's about time I sorted my health out. So that was probably a good 10 years ago now that I made health a priority. Again, if I look down at my plan for the week, what I'm seeing on here is a physio appointment and also blocked in doing my physio exercises every day. Mike will be very pleased to hear. When he said to me, he said, oh, I've got some exercises for you. You need to do this every day, this every three days. I'm like, I said, Mike, you've just given me a routine. I said, thank you. Thank you so much. You know how I work. Um, but I've got go for a hike with the dog. I've got do hit workouts. These are scheduled in, in advance. Um, meditation time, mindfulness time. That is all scheduled in because that's important. So what, what does meditation bring to you? Because I personally love, love meditation and yep. kind of, I almost, I had this conversation with myself earlier about preaching to people. Mm. Now, when, when, when you do what we do, you put your head above the parapet and people slag you off. Don't you preach to me about this and that and the other. And I'm, they're think, thinking, well, actually, I do need to preach to you about it because it's something I believe passionately in. Yeah. So if I believe in it and I want to help people, then I need to preach about it. So talk to me about how, what kind of meditation you do and, and how that helps you. Cool. So my meditation practice is pretty much sitting in a sauna every evening, pretty much darkened room, very, very hot, complete silence, and just noticing those thoughts and allowing the thoughts to, to flow by, uh, almost picturing clouds. Um, in terms of mindfulness, I love a hike. Um, that's something I've really got into. I used to be, when I got into the whole personal development thing, um, the idea of going for a walk with the dog and not having either an audiobook or a podcast in my ear, learning something while I walk was completely antithetical. Antith I didn't like it. <laughs> so I think two West Country boys try and use big words. Exactly. Don't know. Yeah, normal bloke from Plymouth. Yeah. Words of two syllables or less, please. So yeah, that really, really didn't resonate with me. It really, really sort of jarred up against me. I can't do that. And then I think, again, that was Mo Goldat's book because I focused on why am I getting uh, – so, wind back. My biggest health concern about two years ago was stress. So, my weight is under control. My blood glucose is looking good. My flexibility is good. I was happy with um, kind of resistance work. Everything was good. Sleep was fine. Hydration, great. 
stress. Yeah, get a bit angry every now and then. Get a bit, why is the world like this? Uh, So I did a lot of reading around just relaxing, enjoying life. Um, So Mo Mo Gordat's book, Sold for Happy, was one of the books. And yeah, he just talks in there about unplugging. And I'm walking the dog, listening to his audiobook, which, by the way, if you do that, it will make you cry at times. Uh, or get something in your eyes, I should say. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this idea of unplugging. So I, I just I went for a dog walk without any headphones in, and it was just so surreal. Um, and now it's three times a week. I go out, I go just go up on the moors, and I just I leave the audiobooks alone. And you said something just now, Jamie. You said, I was having a conversation with myself, and I said to myself this. Now, that is what I spend an hour and a half doing three times a week. Because that, what did I say just now about the kids? No one listens to the kids. Sit on the bed with the kid and listen to them. What's going on? What's in your mind? What's 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 What are you thinking here? When, dear listener, did you last ask yourself, what's going on here? How are you? How are you feeling? What's on your mind? What's What's going on? inside your brain because those little conversations you can play them out over the course of a nice long dog walk where you just go okay why do i always do that well perhaps it is important to me why do they have that conversation perhaps i need to have another conversation oh what about that that problem i've got in the business okay well what are my options i could do one two or three three is not really an option is it yeah okay and you just literally talk to yourself please don't do it out loud um, it does make people stare when you Not walk past them. <laughs> it would be considered as normal behaviour, especially if you've got a wigging kebab in your hand. <laughs> so, what, what do you do then? What, what's your mindfulness technique? So, I, I um, use meditation. Um, my coach, Paul Moore, has got a, a like a fifteen-minute um, guided meditation that I use. Mm-hmm. I've used stuff with Joe Dispenza before, um, really big into him. Mm. Um, but I guess sometimes I'm just that got that little bit too much on to spend 30 minutes sat listening to Dr. Joe, as, <laughs> yeah. as good as he is. And then sometimes he's going, um, imagine your, your um, neck in space, in space. And I'm there thinking, I'm, I'm trying to imagine that, but all I can think of is pigs in space from, from the Muffet <laughs> show. Um, so, and I, I'm there pigs thinking... in space! Yeah. I still remember that. And my my neck's kind of gravitating in this kind of Star Wars kind of style. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, so, but yeah, med- meditation, I, I, tr- I always notice that I feel so much more calmer because, mm. like yourself, sometimes I can get a little bit angry. Yeah. And a, a little bit, I call it my... My little Jack Russell, um, <laughs> and I'm there nipping at your ankles, is he? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I, I guess the the good thing about age and experience is that I've noticed myself doing it, hmm. um, and that if I am in the wrong, I will apologise and and try and explain why I was like that, and hopefully people forgive me. Um, <laughs> but by meditating, I, I noticed that I don't have as many of those Jack jack russell moments so i think that's really really kind of important to to kind of get to so you've mentioned that you've done four books how how did those start to come about what what made you decide to be an author (laughs) so that the i used to blog back in the day and (laughs) my 
blog never really went anywhere. Um, it was it was an industry blog in the affiliate marketing world, and it kind of never really went anywhere until 2011, I think, 10, 10 11, when I wrote a three-part mammoth blog post about my first decade in affiliate marketing. Because that was the point where I revealed just what a roller coaster was. And again, for those listening on audio, I am making the roller coaster shake with my hands now because people think that running a business is this nice, straight, linear path to success. You start here, you finish there, and it's A to Z really easy. And actually, it ain't like that, is it? No chance. It is completely up and down. And I think, again, Dear listener, if you if you are listening to this and you've had any level of success, and to be fair, if you've if you've mar- if you're married and you've got kids, you have had some level of success. You've convinced someone to do something. Um, then how did you get there? Did you you know age sixteen create a plan? Step one, do this. Step two, step three, step forty eight. And did you follow that plan exactly as prescribed? And everything worked out as you planned? I sincerely doubt it. And if you got there and you answered that one to ten question with a six seven no not seven six eight or ten above you got here and things are okay aren't they so things won't go to plan but that's okay and you'll get there so yeah this idea that documenting the real highs and the real lows was so popular so well received that that was kind of banked and then one of my mentors said to me kind of around about the time we were looking at exiting the sports betting business, you should write a book, John. And I just thought at the time, I don't want to write a book because I'm not going to sell enough copies to make any money. And they kind of said, yeah, but think about it as a legacy. Just imagine like being able to hand over a printed book to your kids and say, these are my thoughts on life. This is everything you need to know. Um, and then when we actually kind of did take what what we now call a false exit from the business, and we realised, oh, Christ, actually, we've got all this time on our hands. What shall we do? We can't spend all our day on the golf course. It started off around my kitchen table. We just said, well, let's help some people. Let's give back. Let's find some business owners who are me 15 years ago, and let's help them avoid some of the mistakes I made because I just – I wasted, I went down so many dead ends, wrong turns, just threw money at stuff that didn't work, threw a lot, actually more than throwing money at stuff, at at things that didn't work. I threw my time and energy and hairline at stuff that didn't work. So if I can avoid, help those people avoid that, brilliant. Started around my kitchen table. We got, I hand invited six people, six people around the kitchen table. Great. Two months later, that was 10 people. Two months after that, we had a problem because I've got 12 seats in my kitchen and we had 13 people turn up for a meeting. So literally one of them had to stand. So Jason and I had a little conversation. We said, look, we've just helped 12, 13 people this year. That's really, really good. We've really impacted these people. But how do we help 1,200 people or 12,000 people? And that was when it was like, well, how about that book? You could write that book. And I just thought, well, okay, originally we were going to be do a podcast. We have got a podcast now. It's the Ambitious Lifestyle Business Podcast. Sorry to leech listeners from you. There's enough room in the world for both of us. Um, 
so we started originally this podcast and that was what we were going to do. We said, right, we'll do the coaching around the kitchen table and we'll do some podcasting. So we went networking, Jason and I, in Plymouth in 2016. Hi, we're John and Jason. We're podcasters. And the response we got to that was, what's a, what's a podcast? Can I get that on my phone? I mean, that sounds laughable now, but seriously, in Plymouth, that was the attitude just a mere eight years ago yeah. was what's a podcast. So kind of realized we weren't going to make it as podcasters in Plymouth, um, but we kept at it. And that's the whole thing about consistency. We've had a new episode every month for six, seven years now. Um, we're on 110 episodes in and we just never stop. The thinking was we'd record a podcast episode, get it transcribed. Bosh, there's chapter one of the book. Talk about a different topic next week. Boom, there's chapter two. Bish, bash, bosh, we've written a book. Until Have you ever read a transcription of a conversation? Well, this is the second podcast that I'm recording. And Riverside, the, the piece of tech that I use to record it, does it all via AI for you. So over the next few weeks, I will be reading lots of transcripts of conversations, and I doubt it looks anything like a book. It looks nothing like a book. Um, it's It was so hard just to edit the transcript. I thought a little bit of polishing up, you know, remove some of the ums and ahs. Brilliant. No, Jason and I, we talked over each other. Um, there's that um, uh, uh, what do we do? And you kind of, you know, add these filler words, m- midway into a sentence and then you don't explain things properly and you contradict yourself and it's just horrible to edit i actually rather sit there with a blinking cursor than try and edit a transcription but i was determined to get that book out and i kind of did something i would i wish i hadn't but i'm also glad i did because if i hadn't done this i wouldn't have got the book out around about january 2017 i said 13th of July 2017 my book is being released I hadn't written a single word of it at that time but I said how hard can it be x number of words per week break it down bit of editing bit of polishing up stick a cover on it done how hard can it be very is the answer (laughs) I'm interested how did you kind of plan it then because the original plan of doing it from the podcast thing, I guess that was scrapped and that didn't work. Yeah. Um, so it was back to the drawing board and then putting that deadline on, we all know that deadlines get shit done. Yeah. So did you then get a book coach or what was the process in, in writing that first book? Cool. The, the process was not a process. I advise anybody to follow. <laughs> <laughs> So the process I did was I opened a Google Doc and I kind of went, chapter one, tappity, tappity, tap. Okay. Uh, Chapter two. And I just tried to write it from scratch in order. Yeah. Then realizing that this section that's, I don't know, chapter 14 doesn't really work here. That's really chapter three. But hang on, in chapter five or chapter 19, I've referred back to 14, but I know that's in the future and it's... Do you remember that scene in Back to the Future 2 where Doc Brown is explaining the different timelines on the chalkboard? And you're like, hang on, where where am I? Where's my hoverboard? Where's my self-tying laces? Um, yeah, so I was all over the place with it. I thought I'd finished. I just 
did a little bit of well we're just going to work harder we're just going to work into the evenings i'll do a couple of hours in the evening i'll get up early before the kids are, are awake i'll do some weekends that's something i don't do a lot now i'll work three weekends just to get it done yeah. and i set myself this go and i thought right okay so i got to the end of uh, i think the end of april and i'd i'd finished the manuscript now i figured send it over to a proofreader um get a cover designed publish it brilliant so i approached a uh i was in a entrepreneurs group at the time and everyone as soon as i said hey i finished the first draft of my book aren't i brilliant everybody said you need to speak to colette so i thought okay i have a chat with colette. colette everyone says i need to talk to you do you want to see my manuscript isn't it brilliant please shower me with praise <laughs> and colette basically went have you done this? Have you done that? You need to do this, 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 and this. Where's your ISBN number? Um, you need, have you, where's the contents list? You haven't done the acknowledgements. Where's the bibliography? Uh, what about this? Have you thought about formatting? What text size are you going to have? Uh, what platforms are you going to upload it in? Are you trying to translate it into this language? I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's quite a lot. She said, don't worry. This is what I do. I can handle all of this for you. Um, and the good news is it only takes 12 weeks. I said, that's brilliant, Colette. There's just one small problem with that. Um, I've booked a yacht club for five weeks' time. I've invited the press along, and the book is coming out in five weeks. She went, ah, okay. Now, Colette is, she is, she calls herself the Gordon Ramsay of book coaching. She does not pull any punches. Um, she refuses to let you serve th things that are shit or raw. Yeah. So she kind of said to me, right, if you do everything I tell you to do exactly as I tell you, when I tell you and nothing, I mean, nothing goes wrong. We might be able to hit that deadline. And we sort of hit the deadline. So on the 13th of July, I was stood on stage at a yacht club holding a technical copy of my book, which had arrived like two days before, like panic stations. Um, I think it didn't have any page numbers in it. Um, it had some placeholder text in it still. It didn't have the bibliography. And the one thing it didn't have in it was Colette's name anywhere. Cause she said, I refuse to be associated with this shit. Um, <laughs> If you're cutting any corners, I am having nothing to do with this. Um, that was, and we made it very clear, this is the early pre-release edition just for press and kind of influencers. The real version is coming out in two weeks' time. And sure enough, two weeks later, we had the proper version that, as Colette said, you can actually put my name on that. You can be proud of that. It launched properly having given it out two weeks earlier. So yeah, it was it was not a process I advised. When I stood on stage at the yacht club, one of the uh, one of the press guys said to me, So John, any plans to write a second book? Bearing in mind I've now written four. And I said, I am never writing another book again. Ever. Because I hated writing this one. And it was, it became that bloody book. Oh, I need to work on the bloody book. Oh, that bloody book's causing me headaches again. It's causing me sleepless nights. Um now it's that lovely book, that wonderful book, the book that opened all the doors and made everything possible. But it wasn't very nice at the time. 
So what were the life lessons then from that experience? What what are the things that you kind of look back on that and go, yeah, because of that, I now do things in this way? Yeah. Uh, proper planning. So mm-hmm. all of my books, so I'm planning, so I'm going to write my fifth book this year. Yeah. Um, so I've already started writing the chapter page. I've written the skeleton of what is this book about? Who is it for? What is the natural order of things that I need to explain things in? Now, I now have that in a Google Doc. That's about three pages of bullet notes. I then walk away and I let things percolate. So I know what the topic of my book is. So anytime I'm talking to someone or I listen to a podcast or I I read something or I learn something about this topic, I can go, right, that belongs in that section, probably before that paragraph, before I actually start writing it. Then when I start writing, I get momentum first. So I always say like the first week I'm going to block out. Look at that plan, schedule, block out, create the room. Sorry, family. I'm at the ambition end of the pendulum this week and I'm going to get 30,000 words out. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to go through that skeleton and just vomit words on a page, not transcribing stuff or anything, just putting pretty shit content down. It doesn't need to be grammatically perfect. Anytime I get a bit of writer's block and get a bit stuck, I just go, need something better to go here, move on, and just get that momentum, get it out there, so that after a week, you know, most of my books are 60, 70,000 words. I've written half of the first draft in a week. Then I slow the F down. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, there may be kids listening, so I'm going to say the F. Although my kids would be more likely to listen if I actually swore a bit more on the podcast. But I do just slow down then because that first book which was right i've got to get this out in july so my last two books the deadline has been a year so it'll be right this book you know evergreen assets yeah that's coming out in 2021 i think the false exit i said yeah summer 23 um my next book will come out at some point in 2025 um no pressure at all um as I wrote in Routine Machine, leveraging my Mr. Bull. Uh, how long does it take to fix the road? It will take as long as it was. Exactly. Um, and that's the process um, because that's the process that enables me to really, really enjoy writing books. To just be able to go, it ain't happening right now. I've got complete writer's block. I don't know what I'm saying about this. I'm just going to walk away. I'm going to go out on a hike. I'm going to talk to myself. Or I'm going to sit in my sauna. That is where most of my notes come from. I either grab my phone in the sauna, hope it doesn't get too hot and quickly type something out that's just come to me. Or I send myself a a brain toss while I'm out on a hike. So one of the major things I got when I was being coached by you is I do what I want, when I want, where I want, with who I want. Yeah. So how did you come up with that? And is that still... The, the major way that you're living your life oh absolutely that's that's my criteria for everything um that came about working with um a coach that we both know terry terry gormley yep who is also on the podcast as well yeah so i i was at uh, one of terry's events years ago and he set this exercise and it was kind of you had to picture yourself like in your dream lifestyle what are you hearing 
Uh, what are you seeing? What emotions are you? Where are you in the world? What's going on? And you just had to kind of envisage envisage yourself in this dream lifestyle. And then Terry said, okay, what needs to happen to get there? And he said, I want you to write down kind of your ideal job description. And I started off with the word freedom. I was like, I want freedom. Um, and I thought, actually, freedom from what? I said, well, actually, I I want to be able to do what I want, when I want. I, I hate someone saying, you know, literally, um, we outsource a lot of stuff to VAs. I refuse to let them anywhere near my calendar. When I want is so important to me. The fact that I can sit here with a blank weekly planner and I control this. This is what I want to do yeah. when I want to do it. Uh, where I want, well, that's, I don't want, again, I don't want to be flying off to New York. Can you pop into London for a meeting? Mm, no, thanks. If I want to come to London, brilliant. Um, if I want to travel to Bristol for an event, great. But I don't want to commute. Um, I don't want to be away from the kids. I love working from home. So where I want, how I want, please don't tell me how you want me to do a certain thing because I am very much, you know, I'm a routine machine. I like to design the optimal way for me to do things. That's not necessarily the most effective way for the task to be done, but it's the way I love doing it. So what I want, where I want, when I want, how I want. And then that last one was if I want, because that's that last qualifier of, do I really want to do this? Um, another of the cover out books, if I move slightly to my left, is that little yellow one. Not the kids book, which is another story for another day. But behind that, yeah. we have Derek Sivers' book, Hell Yeah or No. And that if I want is, is that hell yeah? I had an opportunity come up recently to travel to London to appear on a fairly, fairly popular podcast. But it's going to mean an early start. It's going to mean traveling to London. It's a complete day where I'm just on a train to and from London, leaving early in the morning, getting back late at night, not getting anything else done, really, really tiring. And I'm umming and I'm, do I do it? Oh, do I do that? Oh, I could do it. Yeah, well, there's a huge opportunity. And I just went, is it hell yeah? And I went, well, the fact that you're umming and I means no, it's not hell yeah. So no. And it's just that criteria is either, it's either, yes, I really want to do this or it's it's a no and that's my criteria now and that if I, that final if i want just forces me to ask myself ask myself have that conversation with myself again do you really want that yeah to- totally get that and that's completely the reason why i work from home yeah um, is so that i'm not answerable to my staff i'm not even answerable to my clients because i'm in control of yeah. my time and if you want me to help you and want me to serve you then we work on jamie time yeah or we don't yeah um because technology now allows us to do that so easily yeah um the the extra kind of yards we would get for doing this podcast in person i believe is very slight yeah 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 it would be better because it's in person but is it worth you traveling up six hours to Wigan or me traveling six hours down to, to Plymouth yeah, and then traveling back. So that's 12 hours of traveling time just to get that 
little one two percent better yeah when we all know good is good enough absolutely absolutely yeah yeah it's there's no way i'm traveling up to wigan (laughs) (laughs) well if you were plymouth were playing at the dw stadium and there was one of those well you might be different for you that's a different story isn't it (laughs) so what advice could if i was a struggling entrepreneur um, that is tied to the business and having those guilty feelings of of not serving my family in the way that I believe I should. What what would you advise? What changes would you try and get people to seek to make? I think the first thing I would do is to get you to identify where the pain is. So what is causing you pain? What is really causing you the pain? Because is it the business? Is it the family? Is it the family's demands on you? Is it the business's demands on you? Where are you being pulled in two different directions? If you think about that lifestyle, ambitions, ambition pendulum again, where are you trying to take the pendulum in both directions, opposite directions at the same time? Because that isn't going to work. So it's figuring out what tasks do you do? So think back over maybe let's say the last two weeks think about some specific times in your life where you've got a bit you've got your jack russell has been nipping at your legs and you've just got a little bit angry and you've got maybe you shouted at your partner or you've been a little bit short with the kids or you've just grrred yourself at your email inbox when a client was a little bit demanding and just think okay why did that happen Well, that happened because of this. I was busy thinking about something else. This was also on my mind. Talk to yourself. Have a little word with yourself and figure out over the last two weeks what's caused your stress. What specific moments have you felt angst? Have you felt pain? And then, okay, what's really causing that? And what can we remove? Um, I talk in my latest book, The False Exit, about a moment I had with Jason where I absolutely threw my toys out the pram and just, we were having a, what you would really class as a mild disagreement about one of our products. I think we should do A, Jason thinks we should do B. And we're having a little discussion, a -a tete-a-tete about this until eventually I, he's not listening to me. I'm not listening to him. And I just stormed out and I can't do this anymore. Slam the door. And he's like, what happened there and what happened there wasn't the conversation it was the 25 plates i was trying to spin elsewhere it was the multiple businesses that we ran before we started recording you asked me how many businesses i'm involved in now and i i said so proudly just two because if you'd asked me before that moment in the kitchen when i blew up at jason it was about seven And there's some joint ventures going on. And there's some property investment deals going on as well. Oh, and there's some crypto trading stuff going on. Oh, and I'm also chasing this ambitious goal. And it's like, actually, the answer wasn't, what can I add? What new trick or hack or shortcut can I find? It was the same process I went through when I suddenly realized I've got a kid now and I can't spend $100 a week. It wasn't what new thing do I need? It was what do I need to stop? doing what do i need to subtract from my life to give me space to say yes to those hell yeah things 2024 should 
be about saying no to more things yeah. because that's what's going to see your happiness and your productivity go up and up and up and up and up. Absolutely. Where are, where are those points where if you were to ask yourself the question, when you said yes to this, was it a hell yeah? Yeah. I guarantee you probably for 80% of them, you'd say it wasn't a hell yeah. It was like, well, it was a nice opportunity. And it's those nice opportunities that kill you, isn't it? With that in mind, I've got to do leg day today and it's definitely not a hell yeah. So um, sometimes you just have to go against the grain and do what you need to do. Absolutely. So we're coming towards the end of the podcast and I just want to ask you a couple of questions that I ask everybody. So I've not nicked this off any high performance podcast or or anything like that. My three non-negotiables, is that the... What? No, I call it the key three behaviours you would like to instill into people. What are, what are those three key behaviours? Uh, okay, uh, self-discipline mm-hmm. is number one. That's the one that immediately comes to mind. Um, you've worked with me. How many times have you heard me ranting about snowflakes? Um, it's just, come on. If you, I think I wrote again in Big Ideas that a superpower for any business owner is doing what you said you were going to do. So, yeah, self-discipline. Um conscious thinking conscious planning so as we've talked about today and as my favorite ray Kroc saying i plan my work then work my plan oh look there's self-discipline coming into it because i work my plan i don't just do the planning and the third one i think i think subtracting i think creating white space um when i look at my plan for this week, which I mentioned, you know, I'd had a busy weekend. Can you see Tuesday there? Yeah. The big amount of white space. Um, that's, yeah, that's interesting because when I plan my week, one of the things that I'm quite proud of is there's blue everywhere. <laughs> it's kind of planned in and there isn't a lot of white. There's white space at the beginning of the day when I wake up and there's yeah. white space at the end of the day when I've either finished work or finished being that unpaid Uber driver taking the kids to football. <laughs> but there isn't white space in between those things. Yeah. Yeah. But it's deliberately planned in. And that's one of those things that having realized over the last two years, what causes stress, trying to fit 12 hours of work into 10 hours doesn't work, doesn't compute. The only way you do it is by doing half assed work badly or trying to multitask or just stressing yourself out. So what I do now is I try and fit eight hours of work into 10 hours yeah, or less. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes total sense. What was the first record you ever bought? Oh, God. right. Okay. The, the first, the first one I remember buying, and this is, well, I don't know if it is a cool answer. No, it was bad by Michael Jackson. That's, that's decent. Yeah, that's what I want to say it is. However, I also remember buying (laughs) Kylie by Kylie Minogue. (laughs) Well, a young boy at that age with the way that Kylie looked in that, you you can't be forgiven. So what's the the most memorable place that you've ever visited? Ooh, most memorable. I want to say probably Vegas. Because that's uh, nearly 20 years ago now that I went there. And it's just, yeah, stuck with me. I've not been inclined to go back or anything like that. But it is just the minute I say Vegas, I am just envisaging myself there. Maybe it's because it's so iconic. Yeah. 
Yeah. Did you have your picture by the sign? And yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, See, so we got by, by the Luxor. Um, <laughs> went up, went up the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, ace. So you've mentioned books all the way through the show. So what are your top three recommendations for books? Uh, Big Ideas to Small Businesses by John Amazon. <laughs> <and> Team <laughs> Machine by John Amazon. Evergreen Assets by John. Oh, not my own. Oh, okay. Yes. On the next question, you can do all the plugging you want. <laughs> so cool. what top three books that you haven't written? Okay, well, I think we've got really, oh, there's so many, but let's look at what we talked about today. So the 80-20 principle. Richard yeah. Koch. Um, as I said, that book is there because that's how I figured it out when I had kids. I knew it was the 80-20 rule that made all the difference. Hell yeah or no, Derek Sivers. It's a lovely short book. Each chapter is about a page or two pages long. Very, very succinct. Very, very well written. And I'm tempted to say poor Charlie's Almanac because we've just lost Charlie Munger and I'm very upset about that. But I'm going to go for my number one book. Any list I put out is The One Thing, um, Gary Keller and Jay Papazan, which I, I had the privilege of appearing on their podcast many, many years ago because that book changed my life um, when I had already had kids. And if I pull out my weekly plan again, there is a little red box at the top which says... This week's, one. That? this week's one thing. And my rule is that no matter what else happens that week, if I cross out my one thing because I've achieved it, I've beaten the week. So, John, it's been a pleasure and a privilege to, to have you on the show. Where can people find you? Plug your books to your heart's <laughs> content. <laughs> Fantastic. So, I mean, the best way is probably just to Google me, uh, John Lamerton. You can find my books on Amazon. They're on Audible. They are narrated by me as well. So if you do like that kind of, um, what was the guy from Justin Lee Collins was the old Bristolian guy, wasn't he? A little bit more farmer-like than that. Um, exited showbiz in a bit of a disgrace, though. So he probably isn't yeah, the this- best. There's still plenty of time for me to do that, Jamie. Don't you worry. <laughs> my my ambition in life is to be cancelled. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Google me. I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to chat on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, you can find me on Amazon, on Audible, um, or yeah, just pop down to Plymouth and say, "Do you know John?" That works. <laughs> John, it's been a pleasure and a privilege, as I said. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show, um, and we need to catch up again soon. Definitely. Thank you, Jamie. And enjoy leg day. That's your one thing for today. (laughs) Thank you.